0: Hello and welcome back to Blue Royalty, a London is Blue podcast about the Chelsea women's team. I'm joined today, as usual, by Abdullah Abdullah to talk through the kind of interesting, kind of disappointing, kind of boring 1-1 draw with Real Madrid in the Champions League. Uh, Abdullah, how are you doing?
1: Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. Nice to be here on a Saturday morning, afternoon for once, not a, not, not a nighttime recording. So it's, it's always nice. It's always nice. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the sun is shining in both Abdullah's and mine's uh, rooms we're recording in right now. So that's always good to see. Um, Yeah, I think this was a really interesting game, some really interesting stuff to talk through. Um, We're going to kind of try and get through it all. Uh, Obviously, you know, games coming thick and fast at the moment. So it feels like you can barely stop to stop to take a breather. But we'll have a bit of a chat about how Chelsea set up, you know, maybe that more kind of defensive approach, not choosing not to force the issue. Um, We'll talk about the halftime substitutions, Magda Eriksson and Jesse Fleming being hooked there. And then also, I guess, maybe the big discourse of the moment, but uh, Chelsea kind of wasting chances going forward, Sam Kerr in particular, and thinking about maybe some tiredness creeping in. Uh, But let's kick off with a a three-word match review. Um, Abdullah, I'm going for a missed opportunity because I... Can understand why Emma approached this game the way I think she did but I think this could have been like I think Chelsea had the ability to to get the win here and kind of seal qualification from the group
1: yeah yeah I, I agree um, I, I, I don't know if this is going to make sense but I'm going to try and make it make sense because it made sense in my head it was shock and awe mainly because the shocking way they attacked but also the fact the awe is like how the game just panned out where it's it both felt like a very attacking game but also a very defensive game at the same time so it kind of just made me like how can two teens do that at the same it was it was just a whole weird sort of game overall like i i have heard differing opinions on the game which we we'll obviously will get into but like it was just to me i was like they both make sense so really i don't know what to, what to go with so yeah, it was just a a weird
0: one. Yeah, and I think maybe that also sums up the the fact that it's very easy to get bogged down in in the individual moments of games like these, but when games are happening so quickly, it's also important to kind of take that step back and I think it's interesting, you know, thinking about Chelsea's approach to the Champions League group stage in the context of last year for example. I still think, you know, broadly, if you told me at the start, what you know, when we had the draw, that we would get four points from the two toughest away games, I'd have bitten your hand off for that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think whilst it's frustrating, because I think everyone knows that, you know, Chelsea are a level above Real Madrid. Uh We'll maybe talk about this when we round up some of the other results, but there isn't a single team who's going to come out of the Champions League group stage with maximum points this season. So, you know, no one's winning all the games. It doesn't really matter who you <laughs> yeah, are. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, we're talking about the game against Real Madrid. It took place on Thursday, 8th of December in the Women's Champions League at the Alfredo Di Stefano Stadium in Madrid. Quite a cute little stadium. Went there earlier this year to watch the Clasico. Real Madrid won, Chelsea won. A Caroline Weir goal that was, let's be real, a big AKB assists on that one, um, followed up by Misa Rodriguez own goal in the 59th minute, which, to be clear, also was a guru writing penalty that bounced off the back of Misa's head. Honestly, Chelsea never do boring. Like, it, the game Not itself was kind of dull. But, like, Abdullah, both of those moments were just... Like, you've just got to laugh, right?
1: Oh, it was hilarious. I, I think it was just, like, a shot post... Shot hitting the post... I think I think that would probably be the way to describe it. The, just the ball just kept hitting the post or the crossbar. Even that penalty was just like, all right, got the penalty, fantastic. Girl Ryan's going to take it. All right, fantastic. Hits the post, then hits the back of her head, then it goes in. Is it going to go in? Is going to creep in? It creep. It was just like what what is happening? Like those that's, those five seconds were just so confusing. I was like, what? This is just summed up the game. I think I think that moment hitting Misa's head and going back in just summed up the game, and I think the whole and to me the game just felt so reactive like it's like every time each team scored a goal suddenly the other one would wake up and go oh no we're behind oh no they've scored we've got to do something and then the energy went up and then everyone just went "All right, revert back to type going back to normal we're just going to keep a kill we're going to keep a chill we're going to go forward so it's just it was I I don't even know
0: yeah it was really funny my favourite thing about the penalty as well was that Erin Cuthbert had picked up the ball and I (laughs) think Real Madrid thought she was going to take it so Caroline Weir was like running over to Misa to be like this is where she She's gonna shoot and then Guru took it anyway. Um, when Aaron Cuthbert picked up the ball, I was like, Why are we persisting with this strategy where every there's a different penalty to take each <laughs> game? So I was actually then disappointed when Guru took it. Oh, uh, it's like,
1: Oh, we have an order now. <laughs> oh, well,
0: oh, damn it. I was looking forward to when Jess Carter got her moment. Oh, that would be um, hilarious. Abdullah, uh, talk us talk us through the team because uh, there were a couple of changes here, a couple of maybe unexpected decisions.
1: Yeah, a v- very interesting lineup. I mean, considering if Chelsea had won the game, qualification would have been a piece of cake and less pressure. I mean, not that there is much pressure, but less pressure against PSG next week, uh, the week after. Um, you know, Ericsson, Bright, Buchanan, Carter, and Ak- Catherine Berger is, is your back five. And while three or four of the five are normal. It's, you know a wild jess carter appears at right back and you're like <laughs> what where'd you come from okay and he had a midfield double pivot of aaron cusper's off which i'm which again i think we can all say it's, it's the number one choice now going forward all the games we're is probably going to play that and then jesse fleming as a 10 which is quite interesting you know not not playing you know probably could have started frank kirby in this game if you really wanted to, 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 to you know to see the home but you know jesse fleming who's you know, if, if we've talked about it before, probably her best position should be her best position where she should be played, but it just didn't didn't work as well. And then you obviously had the front three of Jane's who came back, uh, Sam Kerr and Goura Reiton.
0: Yeah, and um, we'll get into in a bit more detail, you know, why maybe Chelsea set up like that and, and whether we think it worked or not. Um Some of the stats, uh, Real Madrid, eight shots to Chelsea's 11-4 on target for them for Chelsea 40% of possession for Madrid 60% for Chelsea 68% pass accuracy for Real Madrid 80% for Chelsea that number is actually a lot higher than I'd expected because I thought our passing was pretty atrocious yeah 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 I thought the game's pass passing for them. was bad yeah Sorry, I- I everyone the- was bad everyone was just bad <laughs> yeah 13 fouls for them 12 for us and i think also that sums up some of the game right doesn't it Abdullah? like yeah. this was a very stop start game and i don't want to talk about the refereeing too much but some of the refereeing was a bit bizarre
1: oh my god i was so frustrated, and it's its like this ref doesn't let any of the players talk to her like there's no justification it's just get out get out of my face just leave <laughs> it's like every time but and it's like no get out i was like no but there she's broken her leg no, get out i don't want to hear about it it's it's it was, it just to me that's what it felt like but it was a, yeah it was it was a very stop start at times I mean like twenty five fouls it's a, it almost felt like a, my my friend described one of the World Cup games as an NFL game and literally you could just say that it's like mm. every ten seconds we just stop all right no it's foul all right we'll move, move next so I think I think some of the players started taking advantage of that fact obviously we can get into that later but like I felt like some of it was just like you know um, just to stop the momentum of the game and, and kind of go from there but um, yeah it was just a, again why
0: why. Um, and then the XG coming out in favour of Chelsea 2.4 although obviously a hefty chunk of that was was the penalty so 1.6 I guess roughly from from, um, non-penalty XG and Real Madrid's was 1.2 so you know a fairly comfortable uh, Chelsea win on XG but sadly we don't play games on XG values we play them on actual goals Um, we are going to take a quick ad break now thanks to our sponsors when we come back we'll get into the meat of the game
2: if you're bored of the U.S. Netflix, why not just take it for a spin in the U.K.? Using NordVPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. No need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN brings it right to you with over 5,000-plus server options. No show is out of your reach. Using my link, nordvpn.com forward slash London is blue, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. We all love to binge, but look, privacy is a big deal too. NordVPN keeps your information encrypted. So you never have to worry about your IP or location getting out. They've also doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an affected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes the mess of your computer. Don't forget. There's literally no risk when you use our 30 day money back guarantee. Give it a try. And if you like it, great. If you don't, they'll issue you a refund. You can pretend the entire situation never happened check out my link again that's nordvpn.com forward slash london is blue to get your subscription started today
0: all right a couple of notices from the parish we've got some great new merch um uh, for all of the kind of pods going um some really cool stuff a really nice queens of king's Meadow. Uh, shirt that you can get to show you support women's football which is really cool. The boys are coming back over from from America. They're doing it looks like a really sick trip. I was like I want to go on this trip but then I was like wait a minute. I'm not in America. Like I'm already in England. <laughs> um but yeah, you can uh, kind of uh, stay in a hotel and they're going to go and watch the the Dortmund game and another game and I think hopefully try and fit in the the Chelsea women's game against Brighton too. Um, and as always, you know, rate, review, subscribe, any feedback. We really appreciate hearing what you guys think of the pod and we hope you're enjoying, you know, our life on, on our new little feed. Um, but getting into the game, let's start, obviously, with this kind of more defensive approach because I think we both agree, right, that it was quite a defensive lineup. Abdullah, why why do you think Emma Hayes wanted to kind of approach the game in this way?
1: I, I don't know. I th- I think because of the fact that it's Vlasnia next week and then obviously there's PSG after. I think the comfort, if I can put it that way, the comfort of having Vlasnia next week and the Real Madrid game not being the second last game with then PSG to come, I think probably put that into her thinking going, all right, fine. We don't, like, let's just not lose this game so that we can keep the next two games relatively fresh for the players because you don't want to be going into um, the last two games of the season having said, let's say they lost. It's not that it would I'm not saying that a loss here would have been catastrophic catastrophic but I think um it's it's one of those where you're like all right we just we just need to not concede we just need to be able to get in there and I think I think the selection kind of showed that right let's 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 get in defense first and then let's pick off because again they're playing away from home right they don't the they, they're not the ones who need to go all out blazing attack while they we will have most of the possession. And I think Real Madrid would want that. But the onus is on Real Madrid being at home to be able to kind of be the ones to, to to take the game to Chelsea. They're the ones that need the three points way more than Chelsea need the three points. I think what I think Emma Hayes wanted to do was, all right, let's play on the fact that Real Madrid need to attack. They want to attack. They want three points. And so we'll just take advantage of the space that they create behind it. So you know, and 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 then maybe because of the fact that, um, you know, some of the selection, the, the, the James Carter right wing selection, I think was probably an indication of that. All right, let's keep the back four. I mean, if you, I mean, if you're picking the most defensive back four that Chelsea could make, this is probably it, right? You got centre back, centre back, centre back and let's just call Jess Carter center back right? you have four center yeah. backs it, it is your back four and I mean if, if you if, and if you're worried about the double conundrum of right you on one side you know you got Feller on the other side you want to stop two of their quick quickest players and then arguably that some of their you know best play comes from an Athenea on the left wing so that we've always talked about Jess Carter being this amazing 1v1 artist and well you know if you want to just mark someone out of the game you play her, and then i think the Athenaea versus uh you know and obviously they keep they keep changing around but like Athenaea feller just keep jess carter on one of whoever's playing on that wide area don't let them through and then you kind of just give someone like lauren james all the freedom in the world to attack so i think it was it was it was to get the space even the front three right you get you get fleming it kerr wrighton and uh uh who am i blanking out on who's, who's the fourth player on our right wing. Um, James. James, yes, sorry. You get those four, there's pace. There's so much pace in behind. So if Chelsea have defence, 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 Real Madrid keep pushing on, on, on onto them, then you have an easy chance to then counter, go in and you've got pace and then you've got someone like Jesse Fleming who's a really good carrier of the ball and they can, they can play it forward. So, yeah, to me, I think it, it made... In in some ways, it did make sense why she wanted to do this, because she's like, we don't need to attack. We don't need to unnecessarily concede and lose the game. So let's just play on what they're trying to do to us.
0: Yeah, I think that's like a a pretty good summary, basically, of it. I think definitely from my perspective, as I said, I, I found that kind of disappointing. But when you look at what happened last season in some of Chelsea's away games, when They did struggle. They conceded a lot of goals, obviously, to Wolfsburg. Even at home, they conceded a lot of goals to Wolfsburg. This idea that, you know, maybe it's better to just take the point, especially away from home, to keep the defence, also to keep, like, the team's confidence up because, you know, I think there was, like, quite a lot of stress around the team by the time we got to December last season. But, you know, again, this was, like, it was quite a controlled point, really. I didn't, you know, feel like Chelsea were ever kind of out of control in this game. I think, you know, I still believe we created the better chances and on another day we would have probably won this comfortably. We'll get into that attacking element uh, a bit later on. But Jess Carter, I want to touch on her. I think it's a really good point, you know, about the types of players Real Madrid have in terms of Athenia and, and Fella, I do wonder if they thought Athenia would start on the left up against Jess. And obviously she did start Well, she was like kind of predominantly up against Magda. What did you think of Jess Carter's performance? Because I thought there was two kind of interesting things. This was only her second start of the season and I thought she looked pretty gassed. And I also thought her selection really influenced Lauren James's involvement in the match because following on from looking pretty gassed, Lauren was having to cover for Jess quite a lot which I found kind of interesting that Jess was like choosing to push forward so much like I don't know what you made of uh of that kind of relationship
1: yeah no I I agree I mean theoretically like like we just said like theoretically it should be Jess Carter sit there just defend become a three you know maybe let Magda Bush a little bit up if you're gonna have to push one of them up and, and and you let James do whatever James does best right but you're right like she's just it looked like her second start of the season right 3 4 months in it looked like she's only played one or two games she doesn't look like she has the momentum she doesn't have the the, the, the you know the the feel of the game the rhythm uh, of 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 playing 90 minutes and i think you know this is probably a detriment to someone like Carter who i think you know thrives on on being consistently playing 90 minutes or not even 90 minutes but like just consistently playing uh in a back four and I think I think the way Chelsea have gone about setting up their back four is different to the way they were doing it last year right it's a lot of three back three back four back three back four whereas last season it was a lot more consistent in terms of the way the setup was so if Akata does come in right we know what to do and obviously she played a lot more and it was easier but I think in this setup it's it's very much catered to an Eve say an Eve Charles type of fullback, rather than a Jess Carter type of fullback. And if you and I don't think the system allows for a Magda plus Carter, and I think that ex, I don't think we might see this experiment again because they're both so. And, I, and I'm putting this in air quotes here. Very limited in their in going forward. Right? Yes, Magda's an excellent progressive player. Really good at creating from a progressive standpoint, and and it was obviously one of Chelsea's main progresses, you know, last season and, and the seasons before. But obviously her role changed being being as a left back. Carter on the other side again doesn't 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 offer anything. But she she's I mean it's almost like the one thing or the couple things that she's really really good at is also to a detriment to the rest of the team and the way they want to play as well. Great defender can stop a player, you know. Again, if Athenae was on the other side consistently yeah actually i think that the, the, maybe the idea and the system could have worked out better and maybe she wouldn't be you know if anything maybe she wouldn't be forced to be pushing forward as much because she'd just have to be worried about Athenea coming in and, and protecting that space but i think because feller wasn't as involved in terms of being able to or she wasn't as because she, feller was actually the one also helping cover olga right so she had a defensive duty as well which 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 athena didn't have as much on the other side so I think that combination just kind of said, OK, Jess was like, All right, I'm going to push forward. I'm going to I'm going to do it. But I don't think... It almost felt like we're going to play the same system but with two different fullbacks and it just didn't work because the, the strengths of Jess Carter didn't fit. And then if that means that Lauren James has to come and cover a lot, then you're just like, well, then you're you're you're, you're not utilizing Lauren James to the best of abilities because she's almost the Athenae for Chelsea where you just let her do what she needs to do in the final third and then she will make things happen, right? Um. So, yeah, it was it was a little bit confusing. I I just felt like it was, it was two systems coming together in term, with personnel, and and it just it just there was no clear idea of what what needed to be what needed to happen, and that's probably why it contributed to the kind of stop-start uh, game until at least halftime.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree, and I think I will say that I think you know whilst you're right about how, and it's important to talk about how. You know this approach really kind of hindered Chelsea going forward and maybe led to players like James struggling to get into the game. Generally, in terms of the defensive work, I think it did sort. It's hard to argue it didn't work out because, you know, the Real Madrid goal is just a classic AKB mistake. Yeah, this was the first time we conceded an expected goals against more than one this season, but. I think the weird goal was like 0.7 or something. So the rest of their chances like added up to 0.5. And I also want to shout out Khadija Buchanan because I thought she had a really, really good game, once again showing how much she is excelling in that right-sided position. So, Abdullah, do you kind of feel like on the balance of play, like this was was worth kind of hindering Chelsea's attack to, to allow them to defend?
1: In a weird way, I would say yes, because... I can almost see Chelsea maybe needing to do this later in the in the in, in, in the uh, in the Champions League, right? I, I can see there being in a you know a way where go, they go, okay, we're playing against Barcelona, we're playing against Bayern Munich, we're playing against PSG. Who, I mean, possibly, uh, it, it, you know, these kind of teams that maybe have very very high level fullbacks and and, and wingers, where. Maybe Chelsea go into an injury injury issue or tactically, you know, Emma Hayes goes, right, this is the best way we need to stop them. Being able to have this sort of game in the locker and having it practiced now once against, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's one thing playing against Leicester City, but it's one thing playing against Real Madrid. While well, Chelsea is still a, a class above both the teams, Real Madrid is still a worthy opposition to try it against, where they have... Players of of high quality that that you know that, that could make the step up to to, to uh, you know elite side, so I think it was I think you're right about Buchanan. I think I think it's just I think she's finally settling in, settled in if if I can say, and and kind of showing that right. This is the this is the Leon Buchanan that, that we had there, and I think the the Millie Bright Buchanan partnership is just becoming more and more solid as the gains go by. You know, to me, I think this is. I don't, I don't, I don't, know if it's too early to say, and and maybe I, I'm biting off more than I can chew. But I maybe to some extent find it a little bit more defensively sound than the Magda Bright partnership in in the years before. I don't know. There's like something about it, and maybe maybe there's a bit more. But I, because I think while Magda's an amazing defender, and I'm, I'm Mia's gonna, I'm gonna get an earful from Mia I've probably if she listens to this later on. But I think Magda's an amazing defender. But for me, while at a very high, high, high quality player, I think if you're looking at her strengths of like one and two, progressive pro- progressing the ball through passing and ball progression through, uh, through runs and passes is her number one strength. And then I would put her defending. Whereas with Buchanan, I almost feel like they're on par in terms of her defending and her progression. But the thing is, I think she knows that. So I think it's defense first. I'll give the ball progression to the simple pass out to the right or to Millie Brighton and then let her do her thing. And um, but then at the same time she's she's pretty decent at the progression, but her defending is 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 world class in terms of her ability to to stop players and, and kind of uh, you know cover, read the game, push forward. And I think there is there is this partnership growing that that could surpass the Magda Bright one. So you know that's that's just kind of my my thought on it. But yeah, I, I think it was I think it's I think it was a good decision to try it. While it did hinder going forward, so there is at least things to learn and how Emma can maybe kind of tweak it and, and go forward. And then, as we saw with the subs, there was a little bit more attacking impetus uh, when, when the changes did happen.
0: Yeah, so let's move on to talking about the halftime subs. Let's start with the the Magda Eriksson one. Um, this is a really tough one. I When I saw this, when I saw Neve Charles was coming on, I was like, wow, I think this will be for Magda because... We'd seen her, like, she hadn't got a yellow card, but we'd seen her and Athenea kind of, like, getting involved with each other. But I didn't really feel like Athenea had got the best of her. I think Athenea is, again, like, she fits the Real Madrid mold of, like, she looks to wind you up. She likes to make the most of any contact, you know. And I didn't really feel like, oh, Athenea is, like, totally dominating our right wing and Magda can't deal with it. But do you think this was just Anna Hayes being, like, well, was it even about defence? Because I thought the other thing was new Charles, like when she came on, she had like more attacking impetus. So was it about Magda's defending, do you think? Or was it about just changing the nature of the game? And, and do you think it was fair?
1: I, I agree with you. I don't think it was about defending. Because I think while Athenea on paper can can very likely, you know, beat Magda Erickson in a one-on-one just with her pace and trickery, of, you know, and the way she plays her football, I don't, I, don't, I think, I thought Magda was fine. From a defensive standpoint, I thought Magda was fine. She kept Athenea as quiet as she could. I don't remember other than maybe the Caroline Weir goal and maybe one other chance. Much happening from a Real Madrid attacking perspective in that first half. So I don't think it was that. I think it was just more Emma going, right, we're maybe defending more than we'd like. And while maybe maybe she realized, you know, okay... We're, we're we're almost a bit too comfortable now like we've realized okay maybe real Madrid are not attacking as much we're able to repel them the attacks are maybe coming from a different way i thought i thought real Madrid were really trying to get uh trying to make things happen through caroline weir while well, it did go wide but i think caroline weir is like the crux the one in there you know like and, and everyone's playing around we are not not uh, and and trying to get the ball through her so i thought. I thought maybe Emma Hayes was like, "All right, we now need to take advantage." And maybe her idea was All right. Let's push their wingers and fullbacks back. Let's get them on the back foot and and stop them from coming forward. Right. So, bringing on Neve Charles, I felt was just a clear indication that right, we just we now want to change the back line setup again. Let's get something that's a bit more familiar. Get Neve Charles on and let's start pushing in and, and and maybe getting uh, and and getting it but getting it back because obviously by the thirty what fifth thirty six minute that we had conceded a goal. And I think Emma Hayes was like, "Right, this is we're not going to be able to get any any real attacks, at least helping the front three, without getting some support from the fullbacks, which has been a very key part of the way Chelsea have played, whether it's a three or a four. So getting in someone like New Charles to come in really, attack, you know, add in the attacking impetus, and I think that was, uh, I think that was there. But um, no, I I think I think Magdic, I I say you say ask me if is it fair. I think in the game state, with Chelsea needing to attack and being the ones on the front foot now, I guess it is fair. Like if, if 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 the game was still nil-nil, nothing really bad was happening, Chelsea was still being able to create a few chances and Magda went off, I'd say it's unfair because Magda hadn't done anything wrong to warrant coming off. But even now that she didn't, but I think it was more of, hey Magda, there's nothing you've done, we just need to change the way the system works we're going to we're going to we're going to get Neve Charles on our, on on the left-hand side.
0: Yeah, and I mean kind of to support what Abdullah's saying, like I've just been looking at, at players touches and where they were because I think it's kind of interesting around both subs and you know Magda made one touch in the attacking third in that in that first half and Neve Charles made 17 in the second and you know maybe there's like a bit of game state there like as you say like Chelsea conceded they were trying to push forward but I think it just you know, shows that Neve is a more dynamic player. And if, you know, it, we've got to the point where Emma clearly feels like she can rely on Neve's defensive qualities. And I kind of think it's, I said this to, to who I was watching the game with, but it's kind of amazing that we ended up in the second half with basically three of that, champions league back four in jess carter millie bright and neve charles and it was kind of surprising that, that magda wasn't the one there but it's also a testament to how jess carter and neve charles have developed since that final where they were both you know they just really struggled in that game and you know to now be both relied upon in a really important defensive match i think is is really exciting for them as much as you know maybe it's a tough thing for magda to have to deal with around how her relationship with the squad is changing um but let's talk about the the Jesse Fleming sub as well. Um, I feel like Jesse Fleming, we've kind of touched on it, but was obviously selected for almost, yeah, her like defensive qualities, the fact that she can kind of play deeper in midfield, that she was maybe going to, you know, I think Real Madrid's midfield is one of their, you know, strongest, the um, strongest parts of them on the pitch and to offer kind of Aaron Cuthbert and Sophie Ingall that support. Similar question to obviously with Magda. why Why do you think, this substitution was needed, why do you think Fran Kirby was brought on?
1: I think the same reason for Neve Charles coming on, just get more attacking impetus than that. And I think Fran being both an excellent um, all-progressor through her runs and dribbling, she's also an excellent creative passer. She can find passes and and, and she can find ways to break down a defence. And I think with Real Madrid getting the goal, in in, in some ways, maybe she was thinking, right, Real Madrid not just going to look to set back and let Chelsea come on to them. So, to find somebody to break down that defense through a combination of passes and a combination of uh, runs, I think it's important. I'm actually writing something on, on Sydney Brun of Leon uh, and, and there's a point that I'm just writing there that, that comes to my mind here, where the fact that Ada Hegerberg's injured, it, it means that Leon have to adjust their system and adjust the personnel to make up for what they lose in the one talismanic striker. And I think in this, it, it, parts of that principle apply here. What you get from Jessie Fleming is you get one like the pressing and you get an excellent ball progression through her dribbling, but what Fran gives you is a combination of those of, of, of the creative passing, a little bit of pressing, and and, and, the dri- uh, and, the, and the and the and the dribbling and the progressive runs through there ten times better in ter- at least in terms of the uh, the progressive part and the, and the creativity part, and I think with the game state needing that and while Jess can do it. I think Fran just gives you that at, at, at a level that Jess isn't there yet. I mean she can get that. She's got the, the potential for it. But Fran is already there. So I think changing that up, then suddenly changed the com- the, com- the the shape up and the makeup of the rest of the team with new Charles coming in, pushing up from the left, meant can come inside, Fran gets to play a free role to go left, right, wherever she needs to go and it kind of said okay Sophie Ingle, Aaron Kasper, you don't need to drive forward as much. You can sit there and protect our back three and back four and kind of go for, uh, and kind of protect the fact that Neve Charles is the one pushing up and one of you can kind of drop in. So I felt like those two changes completely changed the complexity of the way, not completely, but at least it changed to some way the way Chelsea wanted to move forward and kind of revert the type. And to me, I think if Fran is fit, she has to stop. She's, mm. she's just so good. Fra- Fran Kirby is... I, I, it's it's not that I didn't realize it before. I just feel like now Fran Kirby, when she comes on the pitch, whether she's played for three months or whether she's been out for six months, she makes an instant impact. I don't know how she does it. It's just the team looks different. They look they looked quicker in the second half because of her. The ball was getting out to her quickly. They were going through her. She was able to find Samka right. In. It was unbelievable. Like the team just they just they just looked a lot better with her on the pitch. So. I don't know when. I mean, till Panilla's out, you can easily fit her in. But when Panilla comes back, I don't know what happens because you've got you. Are, I would just say go back to last season's front three. Uh, but then how do you then and then maybe maybe put uh, Guru at like left back or something because left wing back with the free roll because you need to have all four of them on the pitch and getting them all four oh you know what switch to a 4-2-3-1 that's, that's, that's the plan let's go <laughs> four let us get them all in but yeah I, I felt like I felt like Fran coming on was the right move um, and it just kind of allowed Chelsea to open up a little bit more and create more chances I mean that Sanka hitting the post was just another another one of those uh, another one of those
0: yeah I, I totally agree I think you know Fran's importance to Chelsea just cannot be stated enough and I think again I kind of understand why maybe Jesse Fleming was selected to start but I just wonder if we'd have had this game wrapped up if we started with Fran and that's kind of like a bit a bit frustrating um, but yeah I, I totally agree I don't think you know I think some of the chances we had in the first half were very good but in terms of the overall attacking play that we saw in the second half. Like, it's no coincidence to me that, like, Frank Kirby was on the pitch um, for that point. Um, But let's take another quick outbreak break, and when we come back, we'll talk a bit about some of those wasted chances going forward. All right, Sam Kerr. Now, listen, we've been talking about Sam Kerr a lot already, but I feel like this was a game where lots of people really started to maybe show their frustrations in terms of a a season as a whole that's not been um, not been maybe what we've been used to I kind of tried to do something about this uh, talk about this a bit on Twitter and and try and explain some of the stuff that we talked about in a previous episode and, and why I think this is maybe happening and basically my conclusion is that she ran incredibly hot last season she scored more than we'd have expected her to and now she's kind of reverting to type and because of that it feels like a bigger drop-off but I also get that it's very frustrating Abdullah because we can kind of take the step back and say she's pretty much scoring in line with what we'd expect but when she had kind of three clear-cut chances in this game and she doesn't score any of them then people are like well you're kind of meant to be our, our star striker and then also when you've got Bethany England on the bench that doesn't help either um what have you just generally made of of sam in this game and and more broadly
1: yeah i I saw your thread on twitter and i'm like this is exactly what we talked about in the last episode the whole thing like this whole thing about what samka gives and her being a volume striker and i think i remember i think i i think i said that you know sam's one of those where if you get like five chances she'll put away one and she had three big chances and she didn't put away any and okay i would say that the first one was just it through a mixture of bodies and it hits the crossbar. I, I can forgive that, you know, from that, from that corner in, in the first half. But that one on one where she takes the first time ball and hits the post on the left side, I was like, that's that was the moment. Like that's when she she needed to finish. And yeah, I think you're right. I think just because, you know, in a weird way, I think. As what we're seeing now in terms of her maybe missing three big chances or whatever it's just that i think she was still doing that last season it's just that the output and the volume was just so much bigger that you can almost it almost get masks in between right you you don't you're not able to you're not able to see it because instead of maybe getting three big chances she gets seven big chances last season right as, as an example and she buries away one out of seven and you forget about the other six because she scored the one goal that wins you the game right in a way in a way. Whereas now, Big game has three chances, doesn't even score one. Suddenly the spotlight's on. Like, what are you doing? And you're right about the xG and the xG and, and goals of type. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at your thing. Kerris scored nine goals from seven point two xG this season. That's still nothing to me. That's that, that's still the elite striker level stats here. I mean, you're still going two over your expected goals, right? And I think most strikers in the world, if not any, will 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 we'll cut their arms off for that. Like they'll they'll want they want to return like that. It's just. I think it's mainly down to the fact that we've got such high expectations for for Sam Kerr, being what she's done in the last season in 18 months in terms of her her goal scoring, her ability. I mean, between October last year and November this year, she scored like 25 or 26 goals Mm -hmm. or like five assists. I mean, that's unreal in terms of number of goals scored. It's just that now we're seeing... Oh, she's only got nine goals. But then, how many other players in Europe have nine goals, right? I mean, like I, I you know, I watch other teams around Europe. Goals are a bit more shared, and you know, but with but when your star striker still has nine goals, leading the way in December, you know, I mean, I think we would all have been happy if Samka reached double figures in goals by December, right? And 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 she's just about one away from that. So I think it's it's not it's not because of the fact that. Oh, you know, uh, she can't finish, or was there something wrong with her? I think it's the expectations that people have of Sam have skewed what they saw last season versus what they're seeing this season, and yeah, maybe there is an element of 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 her maybe needing to be a little bit more clinical and likely, especially in these big games. But I I have I've, I I truly believe this is probably just a one-off game for Sam, where she's just missed, and I think you give her three chances like this. You know, next week uh, against Reading, or you give it to her against Velaznia or PSG in the in the week to come. I think she puts at least one of the uh, one away. So I think it's just one of those games from an attacking perspective. You know, and and you can also attribute it to what we said before. Different, a d- little bit of a different defensive system. Everything was just kind of a little bit off. So yeah, I, that's that's kind of my take on on the whole Sam Curse situation.
0: Yeah, and what you just said like kind of made me think about. Um the 0-0 draw with Juventus that we had last season in the group stage. And I just went and looked and Samka got an XG of 1.5 in that game and we didn't score and she got an XG of 1.4 in this game and obviously she didn't score here. And I think that just kind of shows, we know what the season she had last year, that was like a ridiculous goal scoring season. You know, she is a player who's always going to kind of have that moment. And it's not even just her. Every player has those kind yeah. of moments. I do think... Generally, there's enough data from Sam's entire career to suggest this won't go forever on forever. I also understand why it's, you know, frustrating. For example, like four of the goals she's got this season did come against Blatznir. So, you know, I can see why it's annoying when you're like, why are the goals coming against like rubbisher teams or whatever when you want them to come in the big moments, but I also just think like it, it's not something I'd write off. These players have played a lot of minutes. Um, you know, Gura and Sam are the only attacking players to have played more than 900 minutes this season. There's going to be a break over Christmas. Like, I think, personally, I'm at the point where it's like, Champions League qualification is touch wood, basically done. We've got one more WSL game against Reading. Like, let's come back in January and see how she's playing then when she's had a chance to have some rest. Even thinking about the chances in these games, for me, the worst one, actually, is the one from the corner. Because she gets the first go at it, and that one I kind of get, and it comes straight back out to her, and then I'm like, you've got a clean... Shot. The one with the outside of her boot I'm not mad about because she takes it first time, and I think that's quite a hard technique. And then the one which is the exact version of the Leicester one, she scored that goal over the weekend. So I'm just like, <laughs> it's just one of those things where you're taking it first time, sometimes it's a great save by Miser as well. Like sometimes these are gonna go in, sometimes they're not. Um but I do get the frustration. I just still think you know, she broadly offers like a lot more um anyway uh the other person i kind of wanted to talk about was guru because i thought guru didn't i was more frustrated with guru Wrightin's game than i was with sam Kerr's. even though sam did misplace a lot of passes i also felt like guru Ryton made a lot of poor decisions and that's also why i mentioned that her and sam are the ones who played more than 900 minutes um what did you make of, of guru's performance after?
1: Yeah. It's weird how we've gone 37, 38 minutes of this podcast and we've barely mentioned Guru Wrighton. I think that kind of sums up the fact of what, you, what you've what you just said. In a weird, weird, weird way, when I was watching the game today in the morning, I didn't actually notice Guru Raiden as much. And I think mm. not in a good way. It just it just felt like she was very quiet, you know, just was, was lacking a little bit of pace, lacking a little bit of, you know, endeavor and vigor. And it, it, almost, it almost felt like... You're right. I think she does look... I think she looks tired. 900 minutes, pretty much playing every game, whether it's midweek or weekend, weekend, week out. At some point, you're going to get tired and you're going to need a rest and, and not not a rest where you're playing, you're coming on with 20 minutes to go. or No, Like I think she needs a full reset, recharge. And if we're going to want this girl right for more important games, I mean, what? The, the first game back in January is against Arsenal on the 15th or, or the second game? So you don't want this girl in for that Arsenal game. You need her, what she was doing against Leicester last week and week before. So I think the break's coming at a great time. If in a, in a weird way, I would just rest her against, uh, against Reading and maybe bring, okay, maybe that game possibly you can, you can, you can rest her and then maybe bring her for Vlatzny and PSG, because I think that'll probably be one where you might need her to, to break teams down and whatever. But against Reading, I would not mind if girl right is kept on the bench and not brought on and maybe give someone like, Kanarid now a chance to come in and and be that player who can do because I mean if we're looking at anybody with a similar profile albeit on on the right hand side Kanarid's Kanarid's the one to do that and not to mention um I don't know I know I'm drifting off a little bit on other players here but, but like we haven't used Svitkova yet who's the one who's naturally supposed to be the one that's used to the WSL and I think the Reading game poses a great time for Svitkova to maybe come in play instead of Guru and see how that works because there's gonna need to be a player that we can look at at the bench and go, all right. You can be the guru replacement. A guru is not playing. A guru is being rested. Whether that's Kennarid, whether that's Sticova, you know, remains to be seen. But at least like with Kerr, you know, you've got England. With Kirby, you know, you've got Jesse Fleming, right? Um, with England, Casper, you know, you obviously you have to keep shifting around with with Eve and Niamh Charles. You can interchange them in the in the back with Chess Carter whatnot. But I don't think that that answer for Guru writing has come yet and i think um i think yeah i think it's time to give her a little bit of rest so that she can she can be fit and firing because i don't want to see her playing another 390 minutes in a row in the next three games and it's just it's just it's just not going it's not going to end up well
0: yeah honestly i wouldn't even be mad to see alicia abdelina get stopped. because yeah, the better yeah, yeah. the two cameos she's made i that know they've been against the best <laughs> opposition in the world but i wouldn't say reading are the best opposition in the world like You know, why not? Or or equally, even pushing Neve Charles higher up the pitch and paying her at left wing. There's definitely a lot of options, and and I agree. I think we need to make sure that, you know, we're ticking these players over so they are ready, so we're not maybe in a situation which we saw with Jess Carter where it felt like she didn't actually have the minutes in her to kind of perform at the level, uh, to carry out the tasks that clearly she was in the team to do. Um, But let's kind of just wrap all this up. Abdullah, so Chelsea are still top of, of Group A on 10 points, 12 goals for one goal against. PSG on seven, um, Real Madrid on five points, Vlatsnir on zero. So Chelsea only need one point. They only need a draw away at Latsnia to kind of secure qualification. You feeling confident that we, we get this done in Albania?
1: I... I will be extremely surprised if we don't. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for Vlasnia, but a minus nineteen goal difference is not a is, is is not good reading for them. It Should be good reading for us. I, I can see this being another Leicester City. I mean, if we could, if we want to rack up some goals just for the, for momentum and get people on the score sheet, you do it against Vlasnia. and then just make sure that you're going into P, into the PSG game without any without any worry, right? And you just go in and use that game as a good test for certain players to come in and play against top-quality opposition because they're going to need the points because um, whatever happens in this Real Madrid-Paris game could determine what happens in, the, in that last week. So, yeah, I'm confident. I think Latsny will be uh, should be a win.
0: Yeah, and... Um even better than, than just a draw. If we are to win away at Vlatsny, our fingers crossed, then a Real Madrid PSG draw or a Real Madrid win would also guarantee us uh, top of the group, which would be nice too. So, you know, really, as much as it's frustrating kind of not to get it done, uh, a point away from home against Madrid is certainly no bad thing. And let's just not support PSG uh, next week, basically. Um yeah. <laughs> Looking across some of the other results, there was a 3-1 win for Benfica coming behind there, from behind there against Rosengard. Lyon beat Zurich 4-0. They certainly seem to be kind of moving in the right direction. Arsenal beat Juventus in a 1-0, very, very boring game that was very cold. I was there. Uh, I therefore missed, because I was there, the excitement that was Bayern 3 Barcelona 1. So, you know, we might be drawing away with Real Madrid, but at least we're not losing to Bayern. Wolfsburg beat Roma for 2 looks like uh, Wolfsburg are now qualified actually because of uh, the St. Pulton Slavia Praha result, which was a draw there. PSG beat Blasnia 4-0, and then obviously we drew 1-1 with Real Madrid, so all in all, a pretty interesting match day four, I think, Um, as I said earlier, yeah, that Bayern result showing that no one in this group stage is is infallible right now and yeah I think it would still be good for Chelsea to finish top of their group but I think honestly you know all eight of the teams that are going to go through from these these group stages are going to be tough opposition in the quarterfinals um obviously Reading taking place on Sunday evening um for for anyone in England obviously a bit later on for anyone else in the rest of the world we will be back to to go through that on Monday until then Chelsea fans you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high